You're listening to the GamesRussie.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor, and this week I'm joined by... Brendan Sinclair. Marie D'Alessandri. Jeffrey Russo. And we're here to talk about the biggest stories from the games industry from the past week. Uh, naturally, this starts with a kind of update on the games industry's response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Last week, we pointed listeners towards our article where we're rounding up industry efforts to raise funds. Um, there's a lot of donation links and so in there. The, the article is still live. There's still plenty there, and we've kind of been updating it as it goes on. But the, the tone has shifted somewhat in the past week um, in that, for a start, the Ukraine's own defense minister, or, or deputy prime minister, sorry, um, called on games companies to cut off Russia, to cut off Russia and Belarus and stop you know, sales and stop taking money from uh, from players in those regions, partly in, you know, in an effort to kind of ramp up the pressure on civilians kind of protesting against the, the war on their end in the hopes to kind of accelerate the end of this. Um, and lo and behold, like quite a few companies have done so. So this is ongoing. We are recording on Tuesday, the 8th of March. May, it may be that more companies have announced um, things since then. But at the time of recording, Microsoft has cancelled all products and services and sales in the region. Take-Two has done so. Ubisoft, EA, Activision Blizzard, Epic Games, uh, CD Projekt, Bloober Team, uh, Bloober Team being the developers of the medium. Nintendo has suspended all payments uh, to the Switch eShop and placed it in maintenance mode. I believe that is primarily, there's no been no official comment, but I believe that's primarily because of the economic sanctions that have been placed against Russia. Like you're not allowed to process um, transactions from certain Russian institutions, including its, you know, its leading banks. Sony has quietly decided not to release Gran Turismo 7. In the region that seems to be their only response and even then it's not kind of official since recording sony nintendo rovio and bungie have all confirmed their products will not be sold in russia more of these are kind of coming out so i wanted to kind of talk about the impact these might have and then kind of our thoughts on on, on this level of response like the fact that publishers are cutting off an entire market um and, and you know as as many people have argued, ultimately punishing you know individuals who have no, who may have nothing to do with the military action that's going on. Well, it's it's hard to disentangle this from you know uh, international politics and what you generally think about uh, involvement across uh, you know different different countries getting in each other's business. Um, I look, I look at this and, and, and I think about um, just that I have sat by and watched companies kind of taken apolitical or we're not involved or doesn't doesn't have anything to do with us stance on um, a whole lot of stuff for for years and I've been really frustrated by that because I think your your actions and just the same as your inactions uh, they reflect on your values. Uh, and you can be held accountable for them. So in that sense, I see this and I'm, I am glad that companies are looking at the invasion of Ukraine and saying this is not acceptable. And then, you know, pulling whatever lever they have access to in order to try and bring it to an end. Whether or not it would be effective for them to do this, whether they are helping bring the situation to an end or just hurting people who have nothing to do with this, 
I I have a lot less um, I have a lot less certainty on on that issue. Um, like if if sanctions worked and everything came to an end within a week, like sure, great, that's that's awesome. I I don't I don't know if sanctions are that effective though. And to to include video games in this seems um, I don't I'm I, I'm just a little a little skeptical of how effective it would be. But I mean I I, I understand from from one direction that it's it's you know you can pacify people with bread and circuses and i don't i don't want anyone to lose bread but the circuses seems to be a bit more negotiable so like if you if you take away the uh the entertainment and escapism of of people in light of injustice then maybe they you know can't help but but find out a little bit more about that injustice or have it brought to their attention as an actual issue yeah so like i i I think i I get the i get the idea behind it and i'm certainly not opposed to that uh to to companies trying to take action where where they can but um yeah yeah I, i i don't know what happens now and and i think that this opens the door for for people to hold companies a little more accountable about other uh, kind of global situations, you know, whether it's Syria or Afghanistan or Palestine. Like, I, I think there are, there are questions to ask about why the situation in Ukraine uh, gets this much energy and tension put to it while previous situations and and future situations i'm assuming in in other countries will will not always draw this response but maybe they should it's the future ones that intrigue me because the sad fact of mankind like it is inevitable that there will be another global conflict conflict or at least another conflict around the globe somewhere and yeah the you know the the games industry has very much kind of put its flag in the sand here um, and has set an expectation or set a precedent for it to do so in future. And, you know, like, I mean, the, as you say, like, you know, the, the question has been raised in the last, you know, last week or so, like, why why this one and why why they're not rallied to support previous ones? Um, but, yeah, I'm just, I'm most intrigued to see how they handle this in future because we've, we now have proof, like, look, look you did this you you made took these steps you proved you can take this action why are you not doing so um to to circle back briefly to the 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 impact the potential impact like i i'm at the time of recording i'm trying to work on a an article that will explore the actual market value of russia and and try to kind of give some context to these these cessation of sales um, so the risk of dropping numbers into a podcast. Uh, so I spoke to Newzu. Newzu estimates that Russian consumers spent 1.9 billion US dollars on video games. So that's hardware, software, mobile, etc. In 2021, um, we don't have full 2021 figures for Russian spend, Russian consuming spending in total, like on across all industries and all things you can spend on. But from Q4 2020 to Q4 2023, total spending was $356.3 billion. So video games is like, if you take a 12-month period, 
and compare that to another 12 month period and i know it's not a direct a direct comparison there's like a three quarters worth of overlap overlap there the point is like games like games aren't a big source of spending in russia so that already makes any gestures that these companies make symbolic at best. Take two of them so far is probably the big one because GTA 5 is the third biggest game in Russia in terms of monthly active users behind Counter-Strike and Dota 2. So like that, at least, that's perhaps having more of an impact. But I, I take two declined to comment on on. on how much money they make from Russia compared to other markets. They so like they don't disclose that and they don't necessarily break it down. Um, but I did manage to get that figure from CD Projekt. CD Projekt um, told me that Russia represents 5.4%. Uh, no, I lie. Russia and Belarus combined, all sales revenues uh, for the past 12-month period are 5.4% of all CD Projekt Red revenues and 3.7% of GOG revenues. So these are small amounts which make the make these kind of this is this is a gesture at best and like and i don't want that to seem like i'm like i'm saying it's a pointless gesture like I, I agree with brendan like it's good to see companies doing something good to see companies actually taking action on this sort of issue but yeah the impact is limited at the very best and I think it's interesting to consider as well that some of these measures and some of these actions that are being taken are only being taken because of sanctions that are mm. taken at a much higher level right like nintendo being a prime example and i think there was oh it's um twitch as well right the the story you james you wrote this morning about uh sanctions preventing twitch from paying uh russian streamers so i mean i'm just gonna echo what you both already said it's like it's good <laughs> to to see the industry take a stance how much of it is impactful how much of it is genuine is a bit up in the air as far as i'm concerned and much like brendan i think it's it, it i think it's really interesting to see the industry take that stance for this specific conflict having remained silent for so many others and i'm really curious to see what what's gonna come next when as you, as you mentioned james further conflicts are inevitable uh in the future so yeah uh, I also want to push back just a little bit on on the characterization of a company blocking off five or six percent of its revenue uh, for the year as as you know like a, a small gesture, um, just because publicly traded companies are under such pressure to grow constantly and unsustainably uh, forever into the future. I don't I don't think that we can you know look at them. Uh, putting five or six percent of their revenue at risk, and and say that that is, uh, you know, in insignificant. I, I like, yeah, it's it's not necessarily make or break for for the company, but it's it's enough of the business that I don't think that they do it lightly. It's it's not just a rounding error to them. Um, so I, when I see a company kind of putting the, a chunk of its revenue that size um, at, at risk, I, I find that to be, you know, like a significant move uh, for, especially for a publicly traded company. I wanted to say that um, 
in line with what we're talking about, I think it's important to also just um just say out loud just to remind people that um given the great deal of news that that's happening which whichever angle you're you're focusing on or maybe maybe the whole thing um as journalists we can all agree that uh please definitely do check your sources because um and I don't say that lightly you know if it's from a tr- uh, a source that you're you're not too sure about uh, I, I think having a great deal of discretion right now during these times is, is definitely a benefit um given every, <laughs> everything a lot of things are happening um so yeah i i think it's important to um just check if you can um because not everything because there, there's also i i know i'm kind of trailing off what we're really talking about but i think it's important to note that there's also great deals of concerns about misinformation that's also spreading as well not not saying us because we do a good job of fact checking but i'm saying you know just, just keep that in mind with everything going on yeah well the, there's the classic example of was it a, a week or so ago um certain news channels like some i believe somewhere in europe certain news channels we're using like there's we're in a strange period where because of social media we're able to see like from the the floor, you know, from the ground level of, of Ukraine, see this all happening. So we're seeing so many kind of, um, you know, mobile phone clips and stuff from real people like who are caught in this, like being shared around. And it, on the one hand, it's giving like it's really incredible insight into what's happening, and like it's it, it's not all being filtered through news and media. It's we're seeing it from real people. On the other hand, people are so kind of desperate for this footage that yeah, like a couple of weeks ago, um, some European news channels were using footage from Armour 3, the video game, as an example. Like, I think it was a f- clip of a Russian helicopter being shot down, and obviously it's, it's from a video game, but they used it in their broadcast, believing it just to be very blurry mobile footage. Um, I don't, I believe this, this is not the first time that Armour has been used in news footage, you know, in, in news broadcasts, mistakenly used as, as real-life footage. But yeah, that just really kind of emphasises Jeffrey's point of, like... There's so much coming out around this, so much information from so many different angles. You do have to be sure of what you're seeing. Yeah, the the one the one thing that I kind of um, resort to here, because like I I don't think that this is um, like this is a conflict that goes you know obviously far beyond our coverage area, and mm. uh, we are we do not have the the expertise. Uh, necessarily to to really weigh in meaningfully on the the conflict itself um but i i think we can we can at least discuss the situations of individuals and and kind of convey experiences from certain people like um we we interviewed uh weasel token a well one half of weasel token a two-person developer team in in kiev um last week and it's it's just sort of it was it was a difficult and surreal like conversation to have with them because they're they're just you know game developers in kiev who have been kind of watching this this freight train bearing down on them for a couple of months here and then uh, and then the invasion actually happens and their, you know, their day-to-day living, their existence is kind of flipped on its head. And, and it's, it's just, 
it's awful to talk with them and to hear about people that never asked for this, that never did anything to deserve it, that, that didn't do anything wrong. And all of a sudden it's, you know, well, we, we can't actually, you know, function as, as developers. We, we can't really, you know, live our, our lives properly. They, they, they live in their hallway now, uh, because it's because it's away from windows and exterior walls uh, they they sh- don't actually like have a proper sleep schedule uh, one of them one of them sleeps while the other listens to the radio for for air raid sirens and warnings and if if it gets you know if, if it sounds like it's close enough then, then they wake everyone up and tell everyone, okay, we got to take shelter, um, and and they can't go anywhere. You know, they're they've got extended family, and while you know, the two developers are, you know, working age people and might be able to to leave if they wanted to. Um, you know, they have they have parents, grandparents, you know, pe- people who people who would be hard pressed to make the trip from the apartment to the air raid shelters in Kiev, much less to all of a sudden, like just, you know, Hey, we're, we're packing up and and going to the border and, and leaving Ukraine entirely. And they're stuck, you know, and they've got, little recourse here except to just you know take each day and and handle it as it comes and and, and hope for the best and and meanwhile the the rest of the world is kind of you know watching this wanting it to stop um and unsure about how best to make it stop and and it's it, it it really is just such a hellish, awful situation to exist in, uh, to and 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 for anyone to inflict on on other people, and it's just it's uh, you know a reminder of humanity at its worst. Mm. I'll pivot slightly and say there have been some examples of kind of humanity at its best so a lot of attention obviously and a lot of coverage has gone on you know the publishers cutting off sales the um companies you know developers raising money for charity um so a quick shout out to uh Nexoft games has released that bundle for ukraine on itch.io which i think i like launched like late last night and there's already like most of the way to uh raising a million Dollars, which was its goal. Like by the time this episode comes out, it almost certainly will have um, raised that because it's almost certainly by the end of the day. But yeah, a lot of the focus has gone on the kind of the money side of things. So like how much money has been raised and the idea of like you know, not pouring more money into the Russian economy. But like what I've taken heart from seeing is the the efforts done to help the individual people who you know are able to get out of Ukraine, who are able to kind of um, you know escape the border. So. Uh, Two that come to mind are, I'm going to completely butcher this pronunciation, but 
Dataspelsbranschen, which is the Swedish games industry trade body, they have been calling on like uh, local companies uh, and incubators and accelerators. They've, they've, they're grouping people together that can offer not just like kind of, um, you know, <laughs> workplaces with equipment and software, but also like shelter, shelter for, you know, games professionals who are escaping the country and their families, like, you know, using company facilities to let them, you know, stay there and find shelter there. Um, there's a recruitment site called in-game job which is calling on companies for and they're gathering kind of a database of they're gathering a database of ukrainian games professionals who are escaping the country and then companies who are able to offer um you know shelter financial aid you know like directly for people and families but even like you know hiring them you know like you know who, whoever's got jobs that can like right you've got out you, you know we can we can give you a job and give you a kind of a, a, a livelihood and like it's 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 encouraging to see things happening on that level, and I'd like to see even more of that going forward, rather than just kind of, here's a donation, here's a link to a, a charity site, actually seeing real action to directly help the people affected. Um, that's really kind of encouraging to see. Another major story from the past week is Epic Games' acquisition of Bandcamp, which is the independent music store. Um, they have acquired the firm for an undisclosed sum. It seemed a little random to me, I'll be honest, when I first saw the news, but then I remembered last year it purchased ArtStation, which is an artist platform and something that a lot of um, industry artists and just artists in general use to kind of show off their portfolio. Um, and it's 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 one of several kind of music-related uh, acquisitions because obviously they, they acquired harmonics last year um which is creative rock band and fuso but also you know wants to make kind of more music experiences um brendan you did a really interesting kind of column this this week in business again if you're not reading this week in business please do it's every friday around four o'clock ish on a friday uk time um you did a great this week in business about how Bandcamp fits into epic games's vision um do you want to kind of give us your overall thoughts yeah, so the first reaction to uh, the Bandcamp news um, that me and everyone else on my timeline, it seems, had was like just this this visceral loathing of the idea of Bandcamp, which is has been a, a fantastic platform for independent musicians uh, to to sell their work, uh, being acquired by epic games which is just you know a massive massive company that by the very nature of its size uh can't can't really be trusted to do right by independent musicians um if, if you're not familiar with Bandcamp, it's it's a store it's sort of like itch.io I, I i guess or you know think the app store but for for more indie artists rather than record labels. And they can sell physical or digital music there. They they keep um, most of the of the revenue that they bring in. Um, it's 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 close to the 8812 um, share that that Epic produces. Um, 
And they have a, a promotion that they've been running since the pandemic started called Bandcamp Fridays, uh, where every month or so they will the platform waives its its share of revenues on whatever sells. So if you want to support artists directly um, in a world where you know Spotify will will you know pay pennies or fractions of pennies uh, for for the people streaming their music. If you want to support the artist directory directly, Bandcamp has been a wonderful way to do that. So in short, everyone loves Bandcamp. Um, and having Epic come in and, and acquire them, just being acquired obviously with a, with a well-loved anything kind of gets everyone's uh, hackles up and, and makes them suspicious. But then this is also seems to be part of Epic's metaverse aspirations. Um, now they've Epic has been pretty pretty clear, I guess, about its. It, it raised a billion dollars last year, saying like this money that we're raising is specifically for the metaverse aspirations. And then they went out right after that, and they they acquired ArtStation, they acquired Sketchfab, um, a three D AR and VR content marketplace. And then uh, later that year, they, they acquired Harmonix. And the thing that, that kind of ties all this together is uh, the idea that, that Epic is trying to work with, with content creators. In their explanation for why they bought Bandcamp, they say, fair and open platforms are critical to the creator, the, the future of the creator economy. Epic and Bandcamp share a mission of building the most artist-friendly platform that enables creators to keep the majority of their money. Uh, Bandcamp will play an important role in Epic's vision to build out a creator marketplace ecosystem for content, technology, games, art, music, and more. And that is that is really kind of like the metaverse play for Epic, as far as I can tell. Uh, a lot of Ep a lot of metaverse visions are driven by user generated content, and Epic is in a position uh, to to capitalize on that. They've 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 realized thanks to Unreal Engine, and also thanks to um, seeing Apple take 30% of Fortnite revenues for years, they've realized the value of enabling other people, other creators to do the work, and then uh, taking your share from the successful ones. It's, it's a lot safer for them when they are, you know, running an industry standard platform uh that that everyone is going to use regardless because it's you know it's just almost a default choice for them uh and then whatever whatever succeeds whatever doesn't succeed they'll take a their their cut of it which is a more sustainable uh way of approaching a hit driven industry like games i think than to bank on your company being the one that makes the hits all the time so the idea for for epic with the metaverse seems to be completely driven by user-generated content so that the people that make the games, that make the music, that make art will, will be on Epic platforms and able to lean on each other and, and use each other's work easily in, in a, in a kind of coherent ecosystem that, uh, that does better enable 
the the creators of each of each kind of content there to to work with each other and access users so in that sense i can see it being like this is a a there is a legitimate upside here for if you if you're making a game and and you want a piece of music for it you you want to have someone um create assets for it having these marketplaces like bandcamp and and art station where you can actually sift through what's there, find something that works for you, uh, and, and then do a deal through the platform to, to have everything taken care of and legally put into your game. I, I think there's absolutely value in that. Um, but that that's the kind of obvious take on it. I, I, I think the, and for all the promises of the metaverse, it doesn't sound very revolutionary. Um, but I do think that the, that it could be cool and and it could be a little closer to revolutionary um or at least they have ambitions of making it such and i think that's where things like the harmonics acquisition comes in because harmonics has been doing user-generated content for a while as well like they had the rock band network um for for rock band at the height of it where people could technically create their own you know, take songs that they had made and turn them into rock band tracks and then sell them to people. And it worked. They actually, at one point, they had more rock band network songs than they had officially released rock band songs in all the DLC and add-on packs and mainline entries of the franchise. Um, but it was, it was time-consuming and it required licenses for the Microsoft XNA Creators Club, Reaper Digital Audio Workstation. You had to use this Harmonix Magma program to, to cobble together every other part of it. And, and it took, by Harmonix's estimate, up to 40 hours to, to author a single track and get it ready for, for Rock Band Network. I, th I think something like that um, that is integrated with with Bandcamp, with Unreal Engine, with Epic tools, uh, and and set up to to more, you know, just to bring down the barriers to to the creation and production and distribution of those of those custom music tracks. Would that sounds like something that could be an interesting and unique part of a metaverse pitch to me? Um, and, and, you know, it's not just like, Hey, the metaverse is going to be rock band songs on tiny plastic guitars. Uh, like harmonics has been continually working in user generated content. Their, their games like drop mix and fuser are also, um, clearly driven by users bringing their own creativity to the game and, and, remixing other existing music in order to create something new and and I, I think they've probably learned a lot of lessons from that that could actually be applied toward the kind of metaverse that uh that epic would would like to make see anytime i hear about user-generated content particularly with the idea of the metaverse is the my, my first question is moderation like so i've i'm not familiar with bandcamp i haven't um i'm, I'm aware of it i haven't 
use it per se. A, a friend of mine actually sells audiobooks um, through Bandcamp. He's done audiobooks of his novels and he sells it through Bandcamp. So I'm aware of it in that capacity. It's, I'm aware of it as a marketplace, but I don't know where their stance is on terms of um, uh, moderating kind of uh, uh, inappropriate content. Like I'm, I'm guessing not as bad as say like there's not as pressing a need as as much as there is for say, something like roblox or minecraft or whatever you know typically used to generate content in games aimed at children or, or any kind of experience aimed at children or younger players like that needs a lot of moderation i'm guessing that bandcamp because it is a broader platform one aimed at all ages there's less of a need for that but uh, yeah just anytime anytime something is built around user generated content i i envisage this idea of of a platform or a marketplace or an experience with more content than is possible to moderate and therefore within that stuff that is going to be inappropriate offensive beyond controversial i mean look at steam alone like you know we're, we're talking about how you know making things easier to for people to kind of upload their their content um you know it's ridiculously easy to make a, a steam game and as a result steam has got something along the lines of isn't it like twenty five thousand games a year or 25 million like there's just a ridiculous number of steam games are reduced a release per year who's keeping track of that who's and i don't know where Bandcamp fixed and all that i'm aware that's a tangent i'm aware that's a tangent but the amount of times you said user generated content in that great explanation there that just any time someone talks about the metaverse i'm like i'm instantly skeptical about like how how safe a metaverse is going to be in terms of what people can create and what people can be exposed to oh i'm sure it'll be as I'm sure it'll be as safe as YouTube or Twitter or Facebook <laughs> or any yeah. of the other numerous user-generated content-driven platforms that, that we have created. And I don't think creating a platform where moderation is impractical is a good excuse to not moderate your platform. Um, and I, I hope that Epic is devoting significant resources to, to, to this um, in, in a way that will you know, perhaps uh, solve this problem that's faced everyone else. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm not talking about like the, you know, ethical qualities here of, of <laughs> user-generated content platforms and the question of exploitation will also come up. Um, but I'm just talking about it as like, can they create a compelling user experience with this? And I, I think just kind of looking at the rough outline kind of the sketch of an idea of, of what an epic uh, metaverse might look like. I, I think that they have a much stronger case for, for arguing that there's something there than a lot of other aspiring metaverse platforms right now. Like Facebook meta, their, their metaverse seems to be, um, it's, it's like what VR chat, and uh, businesses will have their their meetings in VR. Yeah, and there is nothing about that that appeals to me on any level that I think appeals to a lot of people, and nothing about that that I think will will produce a um, financially successful multi uh, metaverse endeavor. So, like I, I I look at what Epic is doing, and I'm. I'm a little more optimistic that, you know, that can actually work as as a business. Whereas with Facebook, everything that they've shown so far just strikes me as um, not an improvement over things that already exist and people are already 
choosing to use or not use. So, um, to give this deal more of, um, this is not really from a game standpoint, but I, I think it's important to know as someone who knows a number of individuals that uses Bandcamp as, um, professional artists, the concerns that I've seen from them is something that, um, to bring this point that, you know, that people brought up that ultimately that, that platform has become something that's in part with whatever else that artists do. It helps keep them sustainable, both creative, uh, creatively and in terms of um, discovery or just being able to self-promote themselves. That, you know, they ultimately hope that they won't get burned based on whatever the outcome may be. Because... Um, Aside from launching so many careers, just keeping folks fed, you know, it just comes right down to it is what Bandcamp has helped. So ultimately, I just wanted to also echo that statement. I hope they don't get burned with what happens going forward. But I, I think it's important to note that a lot of artists, um, independent artists, do rely on that platform because of the power that it does give themselves that, frankly, no other platform really does. And yeah, I, I I just you know wish for the best as well. Yeah, I can I can see being like a little optimistic about Epic doing this. Like if if Facebook bought Bandcamp, um, I would I would be terrified and sounding the alarm, I guess. Uh, but with with Epic, they've they've acquired um, a lot of companies in in recent years, and they haven't seemed to uh to have run any of them into the ground just yet uh not any of the big ones anyways um they're coming from i i understand that they are you know a significant chunk of epic is owned by tencent uh which was also a lead investor in spotify so there are there are concerns there um but but tencent has has been fairly hands-off with its numerous acquisitions in in the gaming industry to this point and epic is as well they've they've part of it has been for show but they've they've made a a consistent case in recent years i guess about you know their 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 belief about um open platforms and cross play and low uh low take rates from from you know engine makers and platforms and publishers and all that uh those all being good things so they've 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 been fairly consistent on on that front and and i think part of it has uh been motivated by bigger picture positioning in terms of their their fight with apple um things like having the the itch.io store within the epic game store seemed particularly um to that to meet that interest but they've they've been consistent enough that like i don't think that there is a an appetite to shift gears here in the near term with 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 Bandcamp. they they have been consistent they've they have been content to let their acquisitions continue doing business with competitors continue doing business as they were doing business uh before and they've already said that they're going to continue with the Bandcamp Fridays promotions um, for now at least. So this is not this is by no means a worst possible case scenario 
for for people who like Bandcamp. As you say, Epic is perhaps a a better choice in terms of new parent because I I love that in the age of the internet, like independent creators in any form of entertainment can reach marketplaces that help them reach their audience but when you become reliant on one platform you want that platform to have your interests like at least aligned with with theirs if not like you know, your interests at the forefront so i mean I, it's been a while since i've made this comparison but uh if you're an independent author you are almost entirely reliant on amazon um and amazon can change the terms and do change the terms at a moment's notice in terms of how that platform works, in terms of how you monetize your creations. And yet, because it is the biggest game in town, if you're not on Amazon, you're going to struggle. And so it's kind of it's kind of heartening that yeah, Bandcamp will stay Bandcamp, at least for the time being. And Epic won't get involved with that because yeah, from what I hear, Bandcamp is um is is a good place for independent creators. That is all we've got time for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all previous episodes of this podcast on the podcasting platform of your choice. And you can find more news, insight, and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz.